This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone. It's Leo. Just a quick note about this episode before we get started. What you're about to listen to is actually the first half of the Mintat episode that we recorded. We ended up having a much longer uh, conversation about Mintats than we initially anticipated and decided it would be best to split it into two pieces instead of cutting it down kind of too aggressively. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have the data, we've performed our computations, and the results are in. We're talking about Mintats. Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. And my name's Leo. <laughs> and we're doing it, Leo. The Mentat episode. I wanted... The, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I No, okay. Mentats were something that when i was reading dune for the first time i this was one of the first words that they kind of like throw at you right where it's like master of assassins he's a mintat the mintat training the Benny jesuit the, the it's like that vocabulary that makes the dune world stand apart from so many others right it remains one of my favorite parts of the dune universe because of how it gets to a lot of the themes we were talking about in the the history part two episode where in a universe without computers and where technology isn't the thing that's pushing human humanity forward, how do you how do you adapt? And I, I think Mintats are such a cool answer to that question, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely one of the more unique aspects of the Dune universe. And that's why we knew before we even started this podcast, <laughs> when we were just like, wait, yeah. we should do a thing about Dune. <laughs> we knew the Mentat episode was going to happen. We knew this was something important to talk about. Yeah. And we finally get to do it. One caveat here that I want our listeners to be aware of. This is going to be a spoilerific episode. Yes. We are going yes. deep on Mentats. If you want to get sort of the spoiler free, safe overview of Mentats, Go back and listen to our timeline episode, particularly part two of the timeline episode. We get into Mentats a little bit there. Today, we're going to be going much deeper. We're going to be getting into spoilers from all of the novels. So if you are not well-versed and if you haven't read Frank Herbert's stories, be warned. Today is going to be chock full of spoilers. We are going to be talking about Mentats with a focus on the core canon. Anything written by Frank Herbert is kind of primary core canon and that's going to be the end word in what is true and good in, in the dune universe mm -hmm. secondary canon we're going to be pulling from pretty heavily the dune encyclopedia and then kind of extended canon is going to be brian herbert's uh stories yeah it's worth mentioning at the top of the mentat episode 
uh, especially because as soon as we start talking about origins, <laughs> yeah, we get into this conversation of what is canon, what is not canon, that sort of thing. Right. That that's definitely important to know. So let let's dive into it. I think at the very start here, we should just very quickly define Mentat. Right. Yeah. Like, what is a Mentat? What do they do? What is their purpose? And what is their place in the Dune universe? A Mentat is a series of tubes. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're totally right. We should define the word. A Mintat is a human computer, uh, disciplined through years and years and years of intense training. This is yeah. this is a lifestyle. It's not just a not just a job <laughs> uh, to process and store immense amounts of data, <laughs> more than you would think is possible. But it's sci-fi, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you pointed out that this is a lifestyle. Being a Mintat is who and what you are. It's not just a job. You don't, you're not a mentat from nine to five and you get the weekends off. Once you're inducted into the order, once you go through the training, and if you pass the training, you are a mentat for the rest of your life. That is exactly what you are. Yeah. Very, uh, very sort of Jedi-esque of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of the mentat abilities, you're absolutely right. They process and store immense amounts of data. Immense is doing a lot of work there in that sentence. <laughs> Another ability that they have, and the most highly skilled Mentats were able to actually calculate the future, or at least calculate different probable outcomes of certain events if they were able to compute enough data. Right. And this is, again, very much a through line in the Dune novels, the idea of prescience, the idea of tapping into the future, understanding what may or may not happen, and then how that affects the present and how it all ties in, this idea of time and the flow of time. Mentats are another people in this universe who have this very limited ability to tap into the future and uh, basically compute the probability of future events. And you're, you're totally right. It's like, how much data do they have? If they have accurate data, if they are presented with part of the picture, their predictions might not be accurate, but that's just kind of the territory of being a Mentat. There are a number of instances where in the books and in the stories, you, you see these moments where they say, well, I wasn't correct because I didn't have accurate data. Right. Um, it is worth mentioning at the start of Dune, where a lot of our conversations are going to be had, Mentats serve as valuable political advisors to the great houses. They are, mm -hmm. again, imagine just suddenly having a computer. Right. And... Every other business in your block doesn't have a computer. You have this incredible advantage. So having this tool, this person who can do so much for you, having that resource is super, super valuable for thousands of years. Um, of course, if we were talking kind of present tense at the founding of the Mentats, that would be a different conversation. Right. And if we were post-God Emperor Leto II, that would also be a very different conversation because at that point, they're basically all Duncan Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Duncan. <laughs> oh my uh, God, Duncan. Yeah, no, you're, you're, abs you're absolutely right. Their role in the universe evolves many times. It shapes uh, both the universe and the universe shapes their role in return. But where we meet them in the Dune novels, at the start at least, is they mostly act as political advisors to these great houses. But uh, we're about to get into their origins, and they actually had a slightly different role at the onset, and it, it began to evolve 
over the thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Um, let's, I guess let's just get into it. Let's talk about the founding and origins of the Mentat order. And so we got to talk about our boy Gilby. We, we do. <laughs> I, I think this is also the time to talk about this Frank Herbert, Brian Herbert difference. Yes. Which yeah. is, it's complicated. So <laughs> Gilby, uh, otherwise known as Gilbert Albans, uh, but Gilby, as we affectionately call him because we're close personal friends, mm-hmm. is, according to both Frank Herbert's books, the encyclopedia, uh, and Brian Herbert's books, he is the founder of the Order of Mentats. The difference is in Brian Herbert's books, there's another character, right. Erasmus, who is a thinking machine. Yeah. So there are some big differences here. We'll talk about it at some point. Basically, Erasmus is a thinking machine, and that's he's a big character. That's all you need to know. <laughs> so let's let's circle back to sort of what we on this podcast consider primary canon, Frank's own words, and the encyclopedia. According to those, Gilby was born around 1192 AG, after Guild. This is roughly 1500-ish years after the Butlerian Jihad. And it's around this time that Gilby, on one, I assume, beautiful spring morning, as he's <laughs> doing some light reading about the Butlerian Jihad, starts to formulate what will become Mentats. He starts to come up with this philosophy where he thinks that if humanity created thinking machines, then thinking machines should technically not be able to do anything that humanity can't. Right, right. right. This idea that the creation cannot outpace the creator. So Gilby takes this philosophy and he starts formulating this secret training program and he starts recruiting young, capable candidates for what will eventually become the Order of Mentats. And he starts this on his home planet of... Septimus. And he it's a very small order to begin with. They're strapped for cash. Yeah. And they have some early hurdles to overcome. But this origin story that starts with Gilby on Septimus, it will result in Mentats, uh, an order that will change the face of the galaxy. It's it's a very bold theory. <laughs> and it it like speaks of it's been over a thousand years since there were thinking machines that a human's like, you know what? We could probably do what computers can do. <laughs> like, like a, really? You sure? Right. Hmm. But again, he he basically comes up with this path to success. And so initially, the early order, he creates these sort of three ranks. His His theory here is how do you take a human from early stages of training to this point of eventually being able to replace computers? The The early order had three ranks memorizers, processors, and hypothesists. Mm-hmm. And each of these, these these are procedural, as I understand it. I mean, it does seem that many times someone might go through, like, the memorizer training and then fail <laughs> and, like, flunk right. and not, not be a mintat, but, like, having been through that memorizer training. Initially, he's not allowing his students to serve uh, and, and to kind of work as mintats in this early stage until they had mastered all three right um and this is god this is almost cute how vulnerable processors are (laughs) yeah yeah there's this early story that we'll get into i mean honestly let's get into it because so there are these three ranks and again they are procedural you go through memorizer and then processor then hypothesis and once you're done with hypothesis you're ready to work but until then you're at these different stages of development 
in this training. Right. So early in the Order's formation, when Gilby is still very much strapped for cash and trying to teach these young mentats in training to become fully grown hypothesis, they have a couple of incidents, you could call it. And <laughs> the one, Leo, that you're referring to is there were some young processors who <laughs> are basically lost and they're like, which direction is the um, the Colosseum or the, the Gladiator Arena? Yeah. And someone's like, oh, just follow us. We're, we're headed there now. And the processors are like, cool, that's a data point that I can compute. <laughs> yeah, person says, yeah. follow them. Let me follow them and that I will arrive at my destination. And so they follow this person right into the center of the Coliseum stage. Right. Oops. Asked a gladiator. <laughs> Oops. Asked the wrong person. And again, they're, they're extremely vulnerable at this young age. They're tapping into their, the logisticals part of their minds, the analytical part of their minds, and any data point that comes in for them, they've been taught to just immediately process it. And they're not quite at the stage of hypothesis yet where maybe they're taught to also question it. And this is also, this is on Septimus, right? This, is, this all takes place on Septimus, the home planet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this incident is actually something that makes Gilby nervous, right? Like, so these young processors go to the gladiator arena, they get harmed slash killed, and it's kind of embarrassing on two fronts. Like, on one front, Gilby obviously genuinely cares about his students, and, you know, they're in such a vulnerable stage of their training that, like, it's dangerous for them to be out on their own in this way. And then, secondarily, this is sort of a... This sort of besmirches the order, right? Like It looks so bad. <laughs> it looks bad. Right. Like, the optics are just bad here. Wait, wait, wait. Your elite thinking computers just wandered into slaughter? Cool. <laughs> right. Exactly. That Yelp review sucks. <laughs> The the early Mentat Yelp reviews were not great. Brutal. Very brutal. All of them talked about that Coliseum. So ultimately, Gilby's like, fuck, I got to get to five stars on Yelp. So he decides to take the order, leave Septimus, and actually moves the order to the to Tleilax, which is the Benny Tleilax home world. And he goes to them and he offers them a deal. He says, hey, for your protection... You can protect my vulnerable students until they are fully grown mentats and they graduate. For your protection, I will give you a cut of mentat profits. Can we move our order to your home world? And the Tleilax agree. And so I think around maybe a decade after the order is founded, right. Gilby takes it and they uh, they sign this contract with the Tleilax and they officially move their headquarters over. This is also like the Benny Tleilax consistently throughout throughout dune kind of demonstrate that they they're always kind of looking forward uh, they are looked down upon by like a lot of the universe because it seems like they've kind of allowed technology and and the drive for progress to erase ethics so when you look back it's so clear why they would say oh yeah you're super secretive human computer training methods are going to be only on our planet cool yeah that's yeah. great sign sign us up fast forward to thousands of duncan idahos with mentat training <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly exactly we know the benny Tleilax don't play by the rules this is a beneficial contract for them too 
This is a way to get Gilby and this new Mentat order, which is quickly becoming very valuable to the galaxy, right? Like Gilby has proven that his memorizers, processors, hypothesists can do the work of old-fashioned thinking machines. So things that maybe have not been possible for the past 1,500-ish years since the Jihad are suddenly possible again. And large mega corporations like Chome, which manage the intergalactic financial markets, are suddenly like, oh, yeah, we've been working on an abacus for the last 1,500 years. That's a fucking iPhone. Right, right. We want that. So, like, for the Benny Tleilax to be part of that is important to them. It gives them leverage as well to enter this negotiation. Ultimately, though, these early Mentats, like I just said, play, like, a pretty significant economic role. They haven't yet entered the political world. Right now, they're just very valuable to Chome. And we haven't mentioned what these three early levels of Mentats do, but to just briefly go over them, it, the the names are pretty self-explanatory. Memorizers, stage one, these young students are effectively taught to memorize, to store and catalog massive amounts of data. I think it, it mentioned in the encyclopedia that their final exam is uh, sort of spouting off like a huge string of numbers in a row in perfect order. And repeating them in the same exact way that they were said to them. Right. So it's basically regurgitating info and storing it. Think of this like the hard drive of your computer. That's what they're taught in sort of like whatever, year one, stage one of their training. One of the early immediate benefits of the memorizer training is the ability to also repeat conversations word for word from start to finish, mimicking cadence and vocal inflection of the participants. So... Again, this is a world that doesn't have, like, you can't wiretap someone to get intel about right. that other company or that other, you know, like, immediately you say that to me and I go, oh, yeah, that's super useful right. in a world post-computers. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, like, think what that does for bookkeeping. Like, if you're a chome company and you you have to manage all of these, oh my God, yeah. uh, you know, trades and stocks and intake, outtake of resources, like, you need... To catalog all of that, and memorizers are a great way to store data. So that that immediately becomes extremely valuable to the economy of the galaxy. And then processors sort of are the next step of that. They take that data they've memorized, and again, self-explanatory name, but they pro they learn to process that data. So it's it's no longer just storage and regurgitate, it's like sifting and retrieving and 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 categorizing and and you know it, exactly labeling right it's it's the dewey decimal system they <laughs> exactly this is it become the more you think about this the more obvious it becomes that a young processor would listen to a gladiator and follow him <laughs> right into the arena you know the next stage up of course builds on top of that as well so once you've processed the data that you are now storing inside you the next natural step like you've mentioned leo is to to hypothesize off of it to build off of it to do calculations or probabilities or use that data in a way that's beyond just storage and regurgitation and basic organization. It's a, it's a way to use that data to maybe extrapolate further data that you didn't just intake, but now you can calculate and outtake. So that's the, the third step of these junior mentats. And again, all of these, if you're thinking like, oh, wow, yeah, computers do this, or, oh, wow, this would be really useful to the economy— the rest of the galaxy is also thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's written about hypothesis, their job was to see how many explanations for what has happened 
can I come up with, right? Or what is happening? Yeah. And and this is something I wanted to stress about hypotheses. Hypotheses were a little bit constrained to things that are happening or have happened, right? Mm-hmm. We are not yet into prediction. We are not yet into extrapolating forward into some future event. They were really good at explaining things. You know, the I love in the encyclopedia has this a sample question: How many motives might Muadib have had for walking into the desert? Right, historical event, people talking about it all over the universe. If you had a hypothesis, you could say, "Hey, right, what? Why? Why do you do that? That's weird." And they'd be able to give you given enough data, very likely uh, kind of explanations, hypotheses. Yeah, theories of it. Yeah, theories, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think I misspoke a little or I wasn't clear enough earlier. The prediction part of Mentats, we haven't arrived there yet. That's that's an even further part of their training. The predictions that they're making, like you said, are about the present and the past and sort of calculating these theories about why something would have happened. And again, they're, they're taking that data they're memorizing it, they're processing it, and now they're using it to hypothesize. So those are the initial first three levels of the uh, of the Mentat training. So let's talk about another player that now enters the field. So at this point, Mentats have become valuable to the universe, particularly to the financial markets, to Chome Company. And at this point, a guy named uh, Grodon Orpar Plate III is a retired planetary governor. And he's also a former Chome director. So this guy's got a solid resume, baby. And then on top of that, Mr. Overachiever over here is like, okay, I just retired from two awesome gigs. <laughs> I'm not going to go be a Mentat right. and kill that Mentat training in three months in record time. Fucking wild. <laughs> it's it's a sign of Gilby's training is becoming successful enough or effective enough mm-hmm. that it doesn't need to be a 30-year process. Now, granted, Grodden is probably very uh, you know, smart and capable yeah. and is probably above above average in, in so many ways. Right, certainly. You, you would imagine over the years, Gilby's original training would also become more efficient, too. So at the end of the day, it's still an extremely grueling process. And like we mentioned earlier, many people do not pass. Right, right. But our boy Grodden here definitely passes. He shows up everyone else by passing in just three months, and he doesn't stop there. He's got to continue overachieving. We all know someone like this. <laughs> and he approaches Gilby, and he's like, hey, I have an idea. We could make Mentats even more useful if we changed and expanded their training. And this is where Gilby is convinced to add more training to the Mentats and create the next three ranks. Even fewer people achieve these. Yeah. And these are generalist, simulationist, and advisor. And again, those are in the order that you train and achieve them. First, you start as a generalist, then you train to a simulationist, and the final and highest rank of Mentat is advisor. And many of the Mentats we meet in the Dune universe, including iconic Mentats like Thufir, have reached this level of advisor. They have gone through all six levels of Mentat training. Right. Best of the best. So let's touch on what each of these new ranks include. Um, The generalist is basically trained to know as much as possible accurately. (laughs) Like, expected to know, and this this is a quote, 
at least 94.75% of everything happening in <laughs> his universe. So that's, it's, it's very specific wording, but still, if you imagine just know what's going on, no, that's not enough. No, 94.75% of everything going on and accurately. Yeah. That's, that's wild. And that's wild, but it's also a direct evolution of memorizers, right? Like that taking in large amounts of information and storing it. Well, great. Now the information that you're taking in is current events. Now, apparently generalists were really difficult to work with, like really frustrating, (laughs) pedantic assholes, because they would at this point, they'd be like, well, I know everything, you know, they, in fact, I know 94.75% of everything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're speaking like you only know 92.14% of everything but I know 94.75% of everything <laughs> they you know they act like that too they're arrogant they they think they know everything which arguably they do but right you know, you know they could be a bit more humble about it so the next rank up is the first time that the mentats are starting to approach uh, starting to approach prescience basically the, these are simulationists and this is again kind of on the nose in the way that it's uh, uh labeled right it's in the name <laughs> it's in the name they are conceiving alternative futures courses of actions simulation of future events so they they sort of see humans as cogs that can be boiled down to behavioral patterns and behavioral sets that then can be sort of predicted and calculated. Right. They are the first order that takes everything from before, the memorizers, the processors, the hypothesists, the generalists, and says, cool, let's turn all of this into predicting what happens next. And they got very good at it <laughs> like they oh yeah it's it's you know with the exception of the space guild the mentats and and again most of the advisor order is is more about like interpersonal politicking and 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 service right i really see simulationist as the cornerstone of this huge pillar in the dune universe which is there is a group of people who can kind of predict what's going to happen and yeah. that's super useful. You're totally right. And and this was Grodin's entire sales pitch to Gilby, right? Like he was like, hey, you're training these really incredible human computers. Right, but right. But they could be so much more than just crunching economic numbers for Chome Company, right? Like they could play a bigger role here than just economic advisors. <laughs> right. And now, like as we're explaining generalist and simulationist, you might start thinking, hey, like, wouldn't this be a great person to have in politics? Like predict what one action would end up resulting in. And that's exactly the case. Like the, the encyclopedia itself says that these simulationists play a start playing huge roles in not just economic, but political and military strategy. And they're very good at coming up with potential consequences of choices and people that are in politics people in the military make huge important decisions and having a human computer who can tell you the probability of different decisions right right that's invaluable yeah. that's huge yeah true 
So this naturally leads into the highest rank of Mentat, which is the advisor. Again, these are many of the Mentats that we'll come across in the Dune novels, because again, Dune is a very political novel. We will be hanging out with the Atreides and the Harkonnens and a lot of major political houses. Yeah, big players. At this point, advisors are critical. If you are a major house in the world of Dune, in the universe of Dune, you need a Mentat. Right. You cannot play the political field anymore if you don't have this tool in your arsenal, and advisors are that tool. So this is Thufir Hawat, this is Peter, this is Duncan Idaho. You need these people to do everything from orchestrate your military tactics to coming up with plots and assassinations and your defense and the decisions when regarding your house economy and all of the like political plays you have to make to be a player on the stage in the Imperium requires this extremely high level of computation. And so all of the major houses by the time we enter the Dune universe have Mentat advisors. The encyclopedia very clearly states by the 9,000s, no great house lacked a Mentat advisor. And the story of Dune takes place like we talked about in our timeline episodes, right in the early tens of thousands. So these are an established class of people by this point. For a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the scale, again, the, for a thousand years, no great house has lacked a Mintat advisor. But I also love this little quote. A Mintat advisor was thought to be able to transform a mediocre ruler into a respected leader and a better than average ruler into a potential emperor. So, again. Crazy. Yeah. Wild. They were thought to be able to do this because that's branding. That's marketing. Yeah. That's also part of the Mentats. They are this order and they are, they have a, uh, a reputation for being able to do this, which isn't always true. Uh, but that's obviously, we all know that maybe. And if you don't know that, surprise, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they sometimes aren't right. Yeah. I mean, Gilby does a great job marketing his product, basically, these Mentats. And the order grows from this small, scrappy operation that needed Tleilac's protection to even survive in its early years to a massively rich and powerful order that begins to affect and change the galaxy in huge ways. These Mentats become massive players in the universe, and it's all thanks to Gilby's excellent training, of course. I mean, he created a unique product that the universe definitely needed, but again, his also his excellent marketing. Like, hey, Great House, you need my product or you're going to be outpaced by every other Great House on the political stage. And that that's the role that these Mentats end up playing. It's really interesting. They they fill this need in the galaxy and they become critical and very rich and powerful in the process of doing that. Capitalism at work, baby. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's not all rainbows and sunshines though. Yes. Let's take a moment and let's go down this kind of dark, weird path of some of the challenges that Mentats uh, and the order of Mentats kind of encountered. Mm, yeah. So they're, they're growing rich and powerful and everything's going great. In the early 1600s, the unprecedented economic growth of the empire makes the emperor demand more Mentats. He's like, these are great. Let's get more of them, <laughs> you know? Right. But the order, they're not 
going slow on purpose. They are taking the time necessary to do the training right and to condition people correctly. Because if a Mintat's out there giving bad advice, that's going to reflect badly on the brand. And then you have bad Yelp reviews. And then people are going to go to the Benny Tleilax or the, 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 uh, fucking Benny Jeseret or they're going to Ixians dope John up on (laughs) spice and ask him what the future's like. And look, John's predictions are only as good as how high he gets, which is not, (laughs) not consistent. So the order pushes back on the emperor kind of demanding faster training, which is really an important moment because again, this is them taking their stand and saying, no, the quality of our product takes time. And we're going to continue taking that time because no one would benefit from shitty mintets. Right, right. It's not an assembly line. You can't just throw mintets together and push them out and put them on sale. And they're going to perform like a well-trained mentat over many, many years. And they, they do successfully push back on the emperor at this point, which is great. So another issue that the order is now starting to deal with is a group known as the Neo-Butlerians. Gross. So if you recall, a couple thousand years ago, a little thing called the Butlerian Jihad happened. (laughs) That mentality is still around in the universe. These Neo-Butlerians believe that Mentats have given up their minds to become organic machines. And Yeah, which, what does that even mean? Like, (laughs) it's it's a very... uh... Right. I mean, again... We we talked about, like, the jihad and, like, there was no line in the sand. Like, right, right. It, it eventually took the life of our boy Holtzman. Like, he was a human that was just part cyborg, but to the Butlerians, he was machine enough to warrant murdering. And so the Neo-Butlerians here decided that Mentats are machine enough to start assassinating. So this is something the Mentats are now dealing with. Neo-Butlerians, rogue Neo-Butlerians are assassinating mentats across the galaxy one by one and just picking them off i will i will play devil's advocate to myself for a moment as much as that makes no sense to me i i also have to remember that the mentats are being trained secretly on the benny tleilax planet where right there are a lot of rumors about them doing shit that they are straight up doing like, like rumors confirmed so on a certain level i can imagine people saying you know, they are coming from the same planet. So I can imagine people going, well, unless you're willing to tell me how you're still human and how you were trained to do this thing that I can't do, I'm going to assume that you used black magic or used computers somehow. So, uh, you know, I'm not defending the Neo-Butlerians. They're shitty. Zero stars on Yelp. (laughs) I'm going to report them. But, you know, it's it, it, it kind of makes sense how it is less confusing than it initially seems yeah. if you consider where the mentats are being trained. Yeah. No, Leo, I actually really like that point. I hadn't even thought about that, but the the order's secretive nature would naturally make people suspicious of them. And the idea that these young trainees get inducted to this order, they disappear for a couple of years on the Benny Tleilax planet, which already sort of operates on the fringes of Imperium law and Imperium space. And then they suddenly show up a few, a few years later with like superhuman abilities. Like, yeah, I I guess it, you know, not that we're defending Neo-Butlerians, fuck them, but (laughs) you know, ultimately like, yeah, you would be a little suspicious. Like what just happened? You know, like, are these people even still human? So ultimately this, this 
new danger from the Neo-Butlerians in these assassinations leads to another upgrade in Mentat training. This is the fucking coolest. Yeah, this is the coolest. Like, Mentats are cool enough at this point. These assassinations now tack on martial arts and combat training for the Mentats, and this martial arts and combat training leads to a specialization of Mentats known as Mentat Assassins. Oh my god. And, you know, these are now Mentats capable of defending themselves against attack. They have combat training and... We got ninja computers. They're they're ninjas, yeah. Ninja computers. (laughs) Ninja computers. Uh, And again, the most notable examples of these we're going to actually touch on in a little bit, but Hawat and Peter who serve the Atreides and the Arconans, respectively, are both Mentat assassins. Not only are they top-tier, cream-of-the-crop, best-of-the-best, but they are all they also have martial arts and combat training, so they're Mentat assassins. Dope. I mean, this is, this is the ultimate fantasy for, like, most sci-fi readers, right? Like, they're so smart, 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 but now they can also, like, do kung fu and kick ass. <laughs> Mentats are dope, is what we're saying here. Um, as dope as they are, though, let's sort of talk about the fall of Mentat, because right. things start to continue to go downhill. We have Mentat assassins. They've been facing a few troubles over the last couple of centuries. But now the Tleilaks get involved, and this is really interesting. Gilby, before, at this point, Gilby's dead, and the Order has obviously carried on after him. But while Gilby was, you know, forming this Order and doing all of this training— he had warned against combining Mentat training, which, again, already sounds tough enough, with other specializations. And for the most part, from the early years, they heeded this warning. And they, you know, Mentats were Mentats. They weren't specialized in any other way. But now we're starting to see Mentat assassins. And eventually, people either forget this warning, start to ignore it, sort of the natural progression of any movement or order. It starts to sort of corrupt from the inside and the Tleilaks decide hey maybe we can make mentats faster in a more assembly line fashion so they strike a deal with the proctor of the order at the time whose name is hibinis <laughs> the 11th i guess see <laughs> i uh, the 11th probably yeah yeah You're, that's smarter than trying to pronounce the roman numerals right <laughs> So he he agrees to a deal with the Tleilaks. The Tleilaks approach him and they're like, hey, can you provide us with some high-ranking Mentats? We'd like to run some experiments to see if we can streamline the training process and create Mentats much faster who are just as good as the ones you are training. So so this experimentation leads to something known as Twisted Mentats. You know, it's like you had the one classic Mentat flavor and now you get a new blueberry flavor. Oh my gosh. And then you twit, and it's a twisted, it's delicious. No, <laughs> the twisted mintats. <laughs> yeah, no, it's more like the banana flavor. Nobody fucking wants banana anything. <laughs> wow, I will die rude. on this hill. I like, I like, I like banana. Okay. <laughs> no, no, Leo, you retract that statement. <laughs> <laughs> so the twisted mintats are this byproduct of uh, Tleilaxu training, and they are basically capable of everything that a mentat's capable of but they do not adhere to the ethical code that all regular mentats kind of normally adhere to mm-hmm. so it's important to note that along this journey of going from a memorizer to a generalist uh, through the orders you are calculating you're you're building hypotheses you're building 
simulations with ethics and with morality in mind. You are not necessarily, you know, again, because, and I, I think this would be important to an early order that is trying to build up its reputation as something that can be endorsed. And if these are your cheat codes to immoral victory at any cost, that's not good for business. That's not good for the reputation of Mintats. Mm -hmm. So Twisted Mintats is this first step away from any of those. And again, I get, I get very like Bioshock, Andrew Ryan and Rapture vibes here of, yeah. you know, we are no longer bound by petty morality. <laughs> now, the, we actually meet in the Dune books. We meet Peter. So Peter... Yeah, Peter DeVries. He is a Mintat assassin, and he's also a Twisted Mintat. Yeah. Because um, the Harkonians yeah. are fucking all about the Twisted Mintats. They're <laughs> like, yo, we're yeah. an evil family. We're into that. That's fucking dope. Right. Ethical code? <laughs> Never, heard <laughs> Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Who's she? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> one, th one thing I do want to mention about Twisted Mentats is you're right that they're, they have the capabilities of regular Mentats, but they're vindictive by nature. They're often unreliable, like their calculations can't be relied on yeah. as much as you could with a regular Mentat. Um, they're, they can be disloyal, you know, like they might work for you, but it's not like they're working for you, you know, if you know what I mean. Like it, it just... Right, which is a problem. <laughs> at the end of the day, like a, twin, a twisted Mentat is a risk. It's a risk that you take on so that you have a computer that's not shackled by... Again, that ethical code that regular Mentats are shackled by. And you have to know how to wield this very unreliable and dangerous tool. And the Baron Harkonnen obviously does. We're going to talk about that in a second with Peter. But Twisted Mentats are a risk. And they, again, tarnish this reputation of regular Mentats. Now the world knows that the Benny Tleilax can make these other Mentats that do, you know, effectively bad things. You know, how can we trust the regular Mentats to not do that? You know, it, it continues to sort of like hurt the reputation of the Order. And this continues to harm them over the centuries. And they never quite, again, achieve the heights of wealth and prestige that they they sort of had during their golden, golden era. These Twisted Mentats do a lot of yeah. basically PR damage. To, to the Mentat order. Yes. Uh, until Leto comes in and is like, nope, we're done with this. The story of Mentats <laughs> does follow this sort of roller coaster of getting started and having being strapped for cash and then being this incredible solve-all thing that everybody wants. And again, rumors that if you're a kind of shitty leader, get a Mentat. It'll make you good. If you're pretty good, you'll be an emperor. Who knows? <laughs> you know, it's... Right. And then, and then coming coming down from that is this sort of long process of mystery, and now they're being killed, and now they have to learn how to fight some of them, and and now there's the twisted ones, and then we have Leto the second, who's like, ah, mm -mm -mm. no, no, don't want those anymore. Get those out of here. And Mentats, who needs them? It, who needs them? The gross. Ew. I'm a I'm a giant worm boy. Bleh. You know? I swish my tail. I do not care for them. No, I don't. Get this mentad filth out of my face. Uh so in eleven eleven thousand seven hundred and forty five AG, 
Leto II, the god emperor himself, uh, actually bans Mentat training. Right. Um, now, he starts kind of sowing suspicion pretty early on, but this is a thousand years, more than a thousand years, after the final events of Children of Dune into, like, the God Emperor books, and all known Mentats are dead within 90 years, except for the thousand <laughs> Duncan Idahos. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, Mentats are effectively wiped out by Leto II, and that is... For all intents and purposes, the end of Gilby's order, the end of Gilby's legacy, except Duncan Idaho, who carries that shit on forever. <laughs> you know, Jason Momoa's out here with his Tleilaxu eyes. And oh, his... my God. Can you imagine being Jason Momoa and getting the offer to be Duncan Idaho and knowing you are set? You are fucking for the rest of your career. Set for every. <laughs> Side story, movie, spinoff, everything has to do with Duncan Idaho <laughs> from like... Yeah. Yeah. No, Duncan, Duncan, I think we'll definitely get an episode. Oh, he's got to. There's this really interesting theory I, I came across that where somebody posits that Duncan is actually the main character of the Dune saga and it's not the Atreides. Oh, that's cool. That's neither here nor there. But yeah, interesting theory that we'll probably get into in a, in a Duncan episode. Um, but that effectively wraps up the the story of the Mentat Order. The thousands of years, their you know meteoric rise, their many years at the top, and then their slow degradation and decline, and eventual death at the hands of Leto the Second, the God Emperor of Dune. Okay, so that's a pretty good place to stop. Now, in the second half of this episode, Abu and I get into a conversation about some of our favorite Mentats, uh, some of the most iconic Mentats from the Dune series. Mentats like uh, Duncan Idaho or Thufir. So be sure to check out part two. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>